Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and for a time to come before you and to open up your word together and to seek to learn something more about you and about who we are in you. We thank you for Jesus and his blood that paid for our debt and the opportunity to be united with you forever as a result, God. And today we turn to you looking to acknowledge how wonderful you are. Thank you for this day and for this time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So to recap real quick, um, what we talked about last week, we started a new series. It's called Wanderer. Um, it's about the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy specifically. is a recap of their journey through the wilderness um, as they seek the promised land that God is sending them out from Egypt to go and, and be in, to dwell in. Um, Paul talked a little bit last week about some of the things that they felt on their way. They had doubt. They had fear. Um, they were in their comfort whenever they were in their bondage. Um, but then he said something that stuck out to me, and that's that um, they sought change when they were either inspired or tired. And I was like, ooh, that's good. So good job, Paul. I wrote that one down. Um, and, and today we're going to continue on their journey, and we're going to look at kind of what, what develops as they are going throughout this journey in the wilderness toward the promised land. Um, and we're going to spend most of our time today in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. Deuteronomy 1, 9 through 18. And I'm going to read it, and it'll be up on the screen behind me, and then we'll start diving in. Okay? Verse 9 says this, Moses continued, At that time I told you, you are too great a burden for me to carry all by myself. The Lord your God has increased your population, making you as numerous as the stars. And may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he has promised. But you are such a heavy load to carry. How can I deal with all your problems and bickering? Choose some well-respected men from each tribe who are known for their wisdom and understanding, and I will appoint them as your leaders." Then you responded, your plan is a good one. So I took the wise and respected men you had selected from your tribes and appointed them to serve as judges and officials over you. Some were responsible for a thousand people, some for a hundred, some for fifty, and some for ten. At that time, I instructed the judges, you must hear the cases of your fellow Israelites and the foreigners living among you. Be perfectly fair in your decisions and impartial in your judgments. Hear the cases of those who are poor as well as those who are rich. Don't be afraid of anyone's anger, for the decision you make is God's decision. Bring me any cases that are too difficult for you, and I will handle them. At that time, I gave you instructions about everything you were to do. And so we're in a point right here where they're, they're on their journey. Um, they've been told where to go, and they've hit a, a moment where Moses is realizing, you guys are pretty numerous. There's a lot of you. How can I, as one person, lead you well on my own? How can I hear your burdens, hear your cases, hear your... How can I make these decisions by myself? You're too big. And so 
to start out, I want to explain an important part of this scripture um, as we go into understanding what it means whenever he is appointing their leadership. Um, Moses takes a moment to encourage them about the promises of God. And it happens right in verse 9. He says, at that time I told you, you are too great a burden for me to carry all by myself. The Lord your God has increased your population, making you as numerous as the stars. That same wording is used way back in Genesis whenever he is making a promise to Abraham that he will make his descendants as numerous as the stars. And so Moses is approaching this body of people as they're going into the desert, the wilderness, and they're going to be on this journey for a long time. God has made that clear. But he's saying, remember the God that we're serving. He makes good promises. He's already fulfilled one. I'm looking at it. You are as numerous as the stars today. In fact, you're so numerous, I can't do this on my own. And so in the same way that he's challenging them as they move forward, He's saying, but wait a minute, don't think this is me. Remember that this is the God that keeps his promises that's leading you out here. And if you read, if you cheat and you read forward, which isn't cheating, you should do it. If you read forward, you'll see that they question God a lot while they're on this journey. And every time Moses says, remember what God this is. He took you out of bondage from the Egyptians. Did you see the plagues and the famine he put over the Egyptians that had you in bondage? Remember that, God. You're so numerous. Remember that, God. He hasn't flooded the land again. Remember that, God. He's the same God that has you on this journey in the desert right now. And that's true for us. When you feel like you're on a desert journey by yourself, it is the same God. He is the same God. That made those promises to Noah and to Abraham and to Moses and then eventually to David and then to us of the new covenant, Jesus' return. It's the same God. And so as they're going through and he's encouraging them and about to, to put leadership over them, he's reminding them of who God is. And then he, he takes a moment and he starts to explain why he needs to put leadership there. Now, we know leadership's important in our context, right? Whether you're at a job, whether you're on a team, whether you're a church family member or a church staff member, leadership is just seems to always be there. But in, a, in, in this selection of Scripture, we get to peek into why. And for them, it was a, a couple of things. It was not just leadership, but it was decision-making and fairness and understanding. And so I'm going to kind of mirror the rest of this back to its original. Now, I think we talked about this last week. Deuteronomy is a series of speeches by Moses, and a lot of the first few chapters is a recap of the book of Exodus. So he's taking them back through the way that God has already brought them forward in their journey. And so I'm going to mirror most of today's message with what was said in Exodus, because it gives us a little bit of insight about where they were and what's actually going on As he's recapping this, he's giving a little summary, and we're going to go back to the original. And so if you want to be there while we're doing that, it's Exodus 18, 13 through 23, but we're going to throw it on the screen as well. And I am going to go ahead and read that, and then we'll start going into some of the points that stood out to me, and I hope that we can learn from them today. 
Um, 18 verse 13 of Exodus says this. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. Now, this is earlier. He's talking about that bickering and grumbling between them. He's doing that right now. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, What are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. This is not good. Moses' Moses's father-in-law exclaimed, You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. I know that was a big chunk of scripture. I like to read scripture. It's one of my favorite things. And so sometimes I'll read a whole book up here for you guys. Um, but I'll, I'll circle back and take a couple of main points out of those um, that really stood out to me as I read through this. Um, and one of the quick little side notes is that it was interesting to me in, in Deuteronomy, Moses says, remember what I told you. But in Exodus, it's actually his father-in-law. So even Moses is being led as he's going to talk about the leadership. And so he's taking this advice from his father-in-law, a wise and understanding man, and he's saying, his father-in-law saying, you're putting way too much on you. It's time to go and delegate some of that work. You can't do this on your own. You're going to crumble. And that right there rocked me a little bit. I have immediately thought of places in my life where I like to do it all. I mean, all of it. Because I'm scared. I don't know what it is. You know, maybe I'm scared somebody else will mess it up. I've tried. I've put this process together. Paul sees me do that. I put these processes together. It's my process. We're going to protect it. If I give it to somebody else, they ain't going to mess it up. I like the process. Keep it the way it is. Barbara just smiled. She sees me do that at work, too. Um, <laughs> Another one is, is my small group, man. I love my life group. The men in my life group make my heart so happy, so happy. It scares me sometimes to think about sending them out because then I can't see them every week to know what's going on in their lives. That's lack of faith for me. My God is so much greater than I am. You know, am I sitting there building these guys up or is God through his word? Those aren't my guys. And so those are just some areas in my life where I had to ask the question, where do I act like Moses? Where do I want to sit up on my podium and have everybody come on to me? I can answer some questions. What question? You got a question? You got a question? Um, but instead, we're encouraged to delegate that leadership, and that's a healthy thing. We shouldn't be the one bearing all that weight, 
because we are human. And that's what Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, was telling him. You're going to mess this up, man. This is dangerous for you to do this all by yourself. And so there, anyway, that was, a, that was a little side note, bigger side note than I wanted it to be, but it was there. Um, I'm going to go into three main points that come out of this little selection of Scripture, and then we'll do some application, and we'll be done. We've got to celebrate Mother's Day today. I don't want to keep you all here all day. Um, the first is that when, when growth started to happen in the Israelite camp, it was important that they shared the burden. Okay, so that happens in verses 17 and 18 specifically. Um, he says, this is not good. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. As we pray in different areas of our life for growth, whether it's growing deep, you know, learning more, getting better at a skill, or growing wide, gaining numbers, um, gaining income, whatever it is, to bear it by yourself will break you. So there's two main steps you have to do in order to stay healthy as you seek growth. One, you have to give ownership to God. It does not belong to you. Your growth will never belong to you. If you're starting to see fruit and starting to flourish, guess what? It wasn't you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get so confident. Oh, I did something good. Something's happening. There's growing numbers. You know, we're doing something right at the store. We're selling more. That ain't us. That is God blessing our eyes being on him. And so the first thing is give that ownership to God. The second thing is find somebody or a group of people that will hold you up and do it with you. Because something's going to happen. You're going to get sick. You're going to get sad. You're going to oversleep. All kinds of things will happen. And you need people in your life that are on your team cheering you on to move forward. It's so important because you cannot do it on your own. You can't bear that burden on your own. God has given us a gift in community. That is, that is his pride and joy as his church that his son died for on the cross. And you're sitting in that church. And guess what? It don't have walls. It exists in the streets, it exists in your homes, it exists around a coffee table, my favorite place. It exists everywhere. He has given us each other in the church to hold each other up as we go through these journeys of growth. And so Moses emphasized to them that that burden had to be shared. And guess what they did? They said, okay, sounds good. Let's go and we'll get together with some of our people and we'll pick out the guys that we want to lead us. And they picked them out and Moses blessed them. Okay. The second thing is that leaders were given a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a requirement here. He's given requirements of what it looks like to be a leader that should be appointed. And I, I can't ignore that. I don't think we should get too caught up in it, but I can't ignore it. I want us to take a, a, just a second to look at what he described as leaders. In verse 21... He says, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. They should always be available to solve the common people's, the people's common disputes, but have them bring major cases to you. And so these are, these are able people 
who fear God. So what's their, what's their desire here? To see God glorified. So their heart's in alignment with the overall health of the group. They're trustworthy. And lastly, they're fair. You could trust them with these responsibilities, and then when it came time for decision-making, they hear both sides equally. They are fair. Those are pretty accomplishable characteristics, I would argue. Especially if we are taking time to pray for God to lead us in our lives and we're spending time in his word and around other men and women who want to see us be more Christ-like. These leadership qualifications are pretty common. What's that say to you? I'm going to make it easy. God has called you to lead something. A household, a marriage, a job, your finances, whatever it is. Worship, children's ministry, whatever it is. God has placed you here to lead something. And and I'm stepping out a little bit here, but I don't care whether through your whole entire life you get to share God's love with one person. He called you to do that. And he will glorify himself in that process because he deserves that glory. And some of you might see hundreds come to know Christ. Praise God. But you're just as valuable as the one that saw one. Just as valuable. And that takes me to my third point. Leadership includes trusting God's blessings with a tribe of tens or of thousands. Notice what he says at the end of verse 21. He says, appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. Nowhere does he say, and make sure that the guy you put over the group of 10 is a little less worthy than the guy you put over the thousands. You know, give, give the real good guy the thousands. Give that new guy the rookie, give him the tens. You know, we want to keep an eye on him. No. He is saying, take these wise and understanding men and put them over the groups. Let them lead. It doesn't matter to these leaders. Now, now, they are human. So at some point, I'm sure the guy that was over the 10 saw the guy over the 1,000. He was like, what did he do right? Or wait a minute. He's wearing his robe a little different. Maybe I need to tuck mine in like that and do this one little trick to make myself a little bit more fancy. It's not about that. God is saying, lead what I give you. Lead what I give you. If, and we say something here a lot. If we won't do it for 10 people, we definitely won't ever get to do it for 1,000. If we can't stand together, is this little small backwoods country bar, body of believers that come together to sing and every once in a while have tech difficulties and spend time in the streets down on Cherry Road loving on people, if we won't do that with a group of 10 to 15 people, heaven forbid we get 100. We have to honor God with the blessing that he gives us. I pray in all of our lives there's a season of just a little bit of fruit. Because if we take the time to to worship God when we got five loaves of bread, he'll flip that five eventually, turn it to a thousand, or maybe he won't. Maybe he won't. I don't want to get outside of the, the word here. There are times in our lives for years and years we'll see a little bit of fruit. Glory be to God. The fruit ain't, that's not what we're here for. We're here for God. 
we get too caught up in, in him giving us tribes of a thousand. How can I get to a thousand? How can I get to a thousand in my tribe? Maybe God just wants you to have ten. But love the heck out of them ten. Serve them. Lay your life down for them. Because that is the blessing God has given you. I hope you find encouragement in that. Because it, it frees me from so much pressure to think that I have to accomplish and, and be selected to be over these humongous blessings. And, you know, people call, church talk, you get a lot of, you know, he was, he was managing a million-dollar budget. I'm like, I don't want no million-dollar budget. Give me a budget of $10, and that way I don't have to keep up with stuff. <laughs> but our God is a good God who knows what he's blessing you with. We have to trust him in that. And now I want to transition a little bit into some application. You know, what does this mean for us? What do we do with this information? Um, what is God teaching us in this scripture? Because we don't live in, in the times of the Exodus. Um, we, have, we have received and, and seen the blood of Christ. That is our Exodus out of the wilderness. Jesus' blood on the cross frees you from that wandering. I think I wrapped up too quick on that one. That was, that was supposed to be my closing point, Paul. Jumped right to it. Anyway, the application. What does this mean for us? One key thing stands out to me, and that's that God-fearing leaders appoint leaders. If you were looking at an area in your life, which I encourage you to do this week, where God has put you in a leadership position, and like I said earlier, that could be a number of things. You know what it is in your life. We should always be thinking of who else we can bring up next to us and encourage and pour into and love on. And that could be anybody. That could be a, a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife, a best friend, somebody you met on the street, whoever. There is somebody God has placed in your life to encourage, to lead something. And they may nev never have thought of they they had the ability to lead. That's the most beautiful thing. Getting to tell somebody who doesn't think they got it in them that they got it in them because they know Christ will make you feel like you're on cloud nine. Take some time to think about who God has placed in your life that you can encourage and walk with. And I want to encourage you guys too that we spend a lot of time here intentionally thinking about our mission and our vision. And this, this really matches some of our, our processes here. If we as leaders are meant to encourage and appoint other leaders, how do we do that? I'd argue it's pretty simple, at least on the, on the paper, but when you start doing it, it can be a little bit tough. We start off by loving them, and then we serve with them, and then what do we do? Maybe we share life with them, and when they're ready to lead on their own, what do we do, church? We send them. It's not a rocket science process, but let me tell you what it is. One of the most joyful and difficult things you will ever do. Because what you guys see me standing up here, there are times in my life even today but definitely a few years ago when I was hard to love. You couldn't start at square one with me. You couldn't take the time in your day to love me because I didn't want it. I didn't want to hear what you had to say. Don't be pouring into me. I should be pouring into you. I was like Moses on his podium, taking time. Come to me. I got answers. 
I wasn't in a place to be lovable. And then I definitely wasn't in a place to serve. I was comfortable where I was. I didn't want to serve with people. I wanted to do it myself. And then I didn't want to share. I was taking so much time to read scripture. I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. But I never said, do you want to know? Do you? And then sending, man, you couldn't even, you don't understand sending without loving and serving. Otherwise, you're just wandering. And so as you go through this this series, I pray you'll keep in mind that throughout this entire journey of Exodus, while they're wandering in the desert on the way to the promised land, and we'll see that recapping more in Deuteronomy, without an end purpose, every time the Israelites wondered where God was. Let that challenge your heart as you go toward where God is calling you. And some of you might be there, but I can guarantee you there's more on your journey as you go in pursuit of him. Remember in the times that you question that he is a good God, that he keeps his promises, and that he loves you so much that he bet all his promises in the blood of Christ on you. Let us rejoice in that today. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into one more worship song before we close up. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your good, good love and your grace that is sufficient for all things. That, God, we could not, in our own effort, accomplish the things that you've called us to. But you empower us through your Holy Spirit and through the blood of Jesus to do all that you call us to because you desire to be glorified. And God, to you be the glory for everything that we get to see. Whether you give us tens or thousands. And I ain't talking money here. I'm talking tribes, blessings, whatever it is, Lord. Whatever you give to us, let us use it well. Let us lift it as a sacrifice to you. And let the work that we do be focused on your kingdom growth and not ours. Take us off of our podium, Lord, and put you there. Let us take other people to your throne and take us to an opportunity this week, Lord, to tell other people about you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being our promised land. In your name we pray. Amen.